When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pickens Jackson. Are you ready? Yes! Now live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You are listening to Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds Radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Soul. Good morning. Welcome in. We've got football today at 4.30 our time or 3.30 our time, Jason Price. Talk to me, Goose. We are the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. The official bourbon of the Out of Bounds Show for 2024 is Wilderness Trail Bourbon. And Nate Dog and Briarwood Wine and Spirits, guess what they just landed? Because Nate went up there, I guess, a couple of months ago. Well, I went up there with him several months ago and did the Russell's Reserve pick. But he went like a month later and he picked up a private barrel, picked out a private barrel, limited supply, Wilderness Trail bourbon. They have it at Briarwood Wine and Spirits. I bought three cases, gave it to some clients. It is delicious. Wilderness Trail private barrel selection at Briarwood Wine and Spirits. Won't last long. But there are, it's right there displayed in the front of the Wine and Spirit store, and it is delicious. Wilderness Barrel, I'm sorry, Wilderness Trail, Private Barrel Selection, Briarwood Wine and Spirits, and it is yummy bourbon. And head to Briarwood Wine and Spirits and check it out. 4949 Old Kent Road. It's right by, give you a couple landmarks. Well, it's right by, behind the big Kroger, I 55 North Jackson. And right by Hickory Pit, which has a phenomenal, phenomenal pulled pork sandwich. And that Hershey bar pie. Have you ever had that, Ooh, Jason? Yes. Yeah. Come on. The, I just call it the Hershey pie. That's what it is, right? Hershey pie, yeah. Yeah. Maybe That's, I shouldn't have said bar. No, I, I, uh, I've i never had... 3.30 today. Yeah, I don't dog. think I've ever had any other food from there other than the Hershey pie. Well, that's your fault. I get okay. I'll take that. I'll t- you need to get the pulled pork sandwich with their hot barbecue sauce. Ooh, yeah, got a little kick to it. It's got a little kick, and it's delicious. It's so good that you'll grab it out of the paper bag in a parking lot, like across the street, and eat it. That's what I did last time. <laughs> yeah, that's a. You said you never eat like that, but that no, time it was like a ravage. I was starving too. I was like, I haven't had this in a while. Now this hour is brought to you by. Speaking of bourbon and steaks, Kessler Prime and the Renaissance, KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation. Porterhouse, medium rare. Um, rack of lamb, medium rare, medium, however you want to go. Side of scallops or bacon wrapped shrimp, crab meat, KesslerPrime.com. This is ESPN 105.9 The Zone. We're asking our listeners this morning, how are you listening? Are you on our 50,000 watt FM signal, which is awesome? 
ESPN 105.9 The Zone. So are you, are you doing te- uh, terrestrial? Or are you streaming? The Ag Up Equipment text line is 601-885-3776. 885-3776. Most of the college football world is celebrating the uh, Cowboys' dismal performance. Just awful. Defense was awful early, and then the offense decided to match their uh, just laying an egg. And from there, um, it was a blowout, 48 to 30. Most Cowboys allowed most Most in a playoff game. In a playoff game, 48 points. In history. Yeah. And they were off all night. I don't know why I will never. I mean, I want to know. I'm going to ask enough of, you know, hopefully our NFL contacts, why they decided to play zone when they played man all year. And why they stayed with it. Green Bay's receivers and tight ends were, were running wide open. They were catching punts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a freeze frame of one of the passes. I saw that. <laughs> Nobody in the frame. Somebody said, is this a guy catching a punt? No, it's a guy catching a touchdown. <laughs> he waited on it for five seconds. Yeah. And there's no, that doesn't happen in the NFL. That that just that doesn't happen when you're you're that open. Um I'm, you know, is McCarthy gone for one game? I would think so. I'm not sure. I'm not saying it's the right decision after he won 12 games a year the last three years and did win a playoff game last year, but that was such an embarrassment and they were so poorly prepared that I don't know if you can overcome it. Now, I never thought Dan Quinn would do what he did and and do that to the defense. The defense isn't great by any stretch, but it's a pretty good to good defense that... If you just said, Bo, they'll give up 27 points, I'd said, oh, okay. But 48, I would not. And I thought Dak would play better. Um, the first pick, 50-50 ball, I, I'm i not, you know, whatever. And Brandon Cooks is a small receiver, and I've talked about that for the last eight or nine months. I thought that they needed bigger dudes. I mean, you know, Amari Cooper, somebody posted what he's done since they traded him for a fifth-round pick. Please don't show that to me again um, in his prime for a fifth round pick. But the second one was awful. Uh, and it wasn't just that guy. There were three. I know it was, it looked like it was maybe tipped by, but still he threw it right to Savage was Savage on Dak. But the defense was awful and uh, Dak and the Cowboys matched it. And it's disappointing, man, because it's hard. Think about all the teams that aren't in the playoffs. You know, think about that for a second. Yeah. Think about all the teams that are not in the playoffs. It's hard to get there. And um, Dak's got time, but somebody said he needs to leave the Cowboys. I've been saying that for years. Problem is, you know, he loves being there and it's such a prestigious, well, all of them are prestigious. But um, what is it, 29 years or 30 straight years without an NFC championship appearance? Who's counting? All right. Twitter X at Bo Bounds. <laughs> and the independent roofing systems caller line is 601-707-3750. That's 707-3750. 29. It's been 29 years. All right. Let's switch gears and go with uh, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. 
um, talking before the SEC championship game. This was this is some pretty good audio. Of course, several weeks later, Nick Saban would retire. Here we go. We're right about one thing. I'm too old for this. Yeah, I've done a great job this year. Nobody's done as good a job as you have. This long, this to me, that's good. Try to enjoy it, man. Tell the coach. Appreciate all you did for me. So that was Saban and Smart talking before the SEC championship game and people asked the question when Saban ran all around the field after they won the close game against Tennessee at home why would he that's not that wasn't like Nick Saban why did he do that was that kind of a farewell thank y'all you know he was going down he was running the other way and then he ran down and he thanked everybody yeah waved a little bit was soaking it all in here I am on the field in Bryant-Denny Stadium. I've had the most successful run in the history of college football. I've absolutely dominated from A to Z. I disrupted the conference, made so many teams make poor hires, hire some of my assistants who had no business being hired, you know, made people chase their tail. There's still teams in the conference that are chasing their tail, a la Florida. Tennessee chased their tail for years and on and on, Right. Um, but that, what did you think about that exchange? You know, Saban, you're right, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Saying that to Kirby Smart, who's 48 years old. And he knows, I mean, they could, they could laugh about it and talk about it, but he knows that Kirby has used that time and time, among others, Kiffin and, you know, whoever, on the recruiting trail. He, he's too old. He's not going to make it. He's, he's going to step down. But he was able to do the mirror test, which is difficult for those of us that are average, much less a guy who's 0.01%. For real. (laughs) Unbelievable. The guy has self-awareness in a profession that has zero. Just amazing. We're live in the Bank Plus studio. Show is brought to you by Dr. Kirk Jeffries, Eye Care Professionals. If you need cataract surgery, call Eye Care Professionals today. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it, after a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to, and I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day, and that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. 
At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Ah, good morning. Welcome in. Do the Cowboys need to tear it down in Dallas? Would that be smart after 12 wins? Some people were actually posting some other phenomenal QBs that had up, and it wasn't just Dak. Teams, but with, like, Peyton Manning had some bad playoff games, and they were also posting some other great quarterbacks. But do you tear it down? Would that be overboard? I could see Jerry doing that just because he's so irrational. And he's been so good off the field, right? He is going to leave his family worth, I don't know, $20 billion? And that may be low. Um, so for generations, unless they're idiots, they'll never have to work. Um, he leveraged everything he had to buy the Cowboys in 88 or 9. And he has all these ancillary businesses that are just cash cows, as y'all know. And he figured out so many other things off the field to leverage the Cowboys. But, you know, he he wasted post-Jimmy Johnson. They haven't done anything. And I know everybody's like Switzer, but that was set up. Post-Jimmy Johnson, they haven't been able to... They've had some playoff appearances, but haven't been able to get it right. I mean, this is a guy who, who hired Chan Gailey and Jason Garrett. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm not a GM and I'm not an NFL owner. We could do better. Um, it, it's Oh, and Wade Phillips. He hired Chan Gailey, Wade Phillips, and Jason Garrett as head coaches post-Jimmy Johnson. Now, Parcell, Parcells went in there and had some success, right? I mean, they didn't make it to an NFC championship game. I know Romo bobbled the extra... I think it was the extra point in the playoff game. Um, you can go, you know, whatever way there. McCarthy's been good. Now they're talking about him having to walk the plank today. Um, which, do you do that? Is that an overreaction? Is he washed up? Um, would you rather have Mike Vrabel? I'm not down with Bill Belichick at this point, but I recognize that Bill's, you know, the GOAT and great and all that. Um you know, if they if they stay with Dak or move off Dak, I'm not worried about that. I mentioned a few years ago if he got out and paired up with Sean Payton, depending on where Sean landed, I'd love that. He's already made $300 million. Could he go to the Raiders or maybe the Broncos or the Steelers or any number of teams and, and maybe take it to another level? Sure. Um, could he end up like Warren Moon and Dan Marino, who were great players? Um but never could win it. I mean, we've had several, we've had a few QBs in the 2000s that have won it, that it was driven by the franchise and defense and and so on. I don't know. I mean, Warren Moon's arguably top five, six, seven quarterback of all time. Doesn't have a ring. So, you know, what do you do? Do you burn it? Is Jerry going to burn it down today? 
I don't think Dan Quinn was staying anyway. But did Dan Quinn take himself out of the Seahawks? I mean, was that a... I don't know if... Even though as big of a head-scratcher it is that he decided to play zone instead of man in a big game, does that take him out? I mean, he is a heck of a football coach. Look what he did all season, though. Yeah, they were they were pretty good. Yeah, to good against. I mean, now whenever they face the good teams, then stuff got a little rocky. So would he have been in contention for the Seattle job in the first place? What well, I think he was, but who knows? Harbaugh's interviewing with the Chargers today. Mm-hmm. You would think that's going to happen, but you don't ever know. Uh, Justin Herbert's there. He's been out in no man's land for a while. He's very talented, like Dak. They hadn't been able to get anywhere. Um, so we'll see. Now we got some matchups today. How about how about football on a Monday double header? Are you double, ready? Double header and not at the same time, which they've done before. Yeah, that's right. That that stinks. That's right. <laughs> like, same time football is not fun. But when you get the three thirty and then the seven fifteen, it's Brew Monday. Key City Beer, our NFL games today, brought to you by Key City Beer out of Vicksburg and Stella Artois, which is out of Belgium, not out of Vicksburg, but still great beer. And we have both right here in studio. We haven't had one today, but Jason was kind of advocating for people to start drinking at seven thirty. We moved it back to eleven to noon. <laughs> Cook you a, 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 a phenomenal burger at the house for Ooh. lunch. Loaded up with boar's head cheese and boar's head bacon and some lettuce and tomato. Put you some fries in the oven. Kick back. Open a Key City beer or Stella. Get ready for the 330 NFL game. Bills. Yeah. Why do people live there? <laughs> have you seen what you it looks like? You wouldn't have to worry about <laughs> Wendy ever. This is. I think this is as far north as she's going. Oh, really? Yeah. The Madison County? Yes. Yeah. That's hilarious. I mean, it looks miserable yeah. in Buffalo. Uh, and then it, I can't believe people live there. And they're, they're, they're building a new stadium without a roof. Why would you do that? <laughs> Perfect. And the Cowboys have a dome. Cowboys have it all enclosed. New Orleans, places that are always hot. Right. <laughs> Atlanta? Yeah, exactly. And then you move up north. Houston? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Why do we do that down here? I don't know. I, I, that's a good question. Hold on. Why do we do that? I think that's funny. Atlanta, <laughs> New Orleans, Dallas, and Houston have domes. And they're in the South. The Bills are talking about spending a fortune. And they're not going to have a roof for their stadium. I mean, I get Crazy. it. You love cold weather. Play play September, October, November with it open. Yeah. Dude, close the thing in December and January. Seriously. Come on. It, who's that for? I don't <laughs> like, I don't know. Like you you saw uh, Andy Reid's mustache. I mean, I'm not sure what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, there was frozen. It was so cold that Patrick Mahomes' helmet cracked and then they got him a new helmet and that helmet was frozen. And he was like What? He, yeah, Patrick Mahomes after the game said, "We got to talk about where we keep the backup equipment because the backup helmet was frozen." Putting on a frozen helmet. And Andy Reid's mustache was probably going to break and fall off his face soon enough. I know you saw that. <laughs> Andy's mustache? Yes. That was so awesome. 
that guy, I mean, he's got icicles hanging from his mustache and he's worried about calling the next play, right? Man, that's like in high school when a coach tells you this is football weather. Yeah. That's the kind of guy that will tell you that. You got icicles hanging off his face. No question. No question. Um, all right. Do you want to give away? You said you wanted to give away something. Let's give away this uh, cool bar mat from Stella Artois. Yeah. Let's give away. You know how you get the big rocks, the little, the cubes that you can put in your freezer? Of course. Yeah. All right. We've got uh, a whiskey rock tray from Long Branch Bourbon, and we've got a sleeve of really cool. Are those aluminum or metal? Yeah, yeah, they're aluminum. Aluminum Tito's vodka cups. So, Stella Artois bar mat. Um, we've got whiskey tray from Long Branch or, you know, Wild Turkey. And a sleeve of Tito's vodka aluminum cup. These aluminum cups are great. So, we would like to ask you, what should Dallas do? What should Dallas do? McCarthy? I think Quinn's gone anyway, but we can go ahead and add it. McCarthy and Quinn, although Quinn's, well, they've both been good. Um, some of you are going to say get rid of Dak. That's fine. He's been good. Well, no, he's been better than good, um, which I'm fine with. I, I'd like Dak maybe needs to get away from Jerry Jones. It doesn't seem to work out for anybody except Troy Aikman when he had Jimmy Johnson. So do they get rid of everybody? Do they burn it down? Do they adjust? What should the Cowboys do? Best answer. That's how you enter via the text line. Best answer. We'll win our, what do you want to say, our bar kit? Our bar giveaway? Yeah, Out of Bounds Brew Monday kit. How about that? Uh, uh, that's right. I've got the Stella Artois bar mat. So that 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 adds the brew in. Okay. And the, the cups. I mean, those aluminum cups are perfect for a cold beer. Yeah. Keeps them cold. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. That's a really nice bar happy gift. Uh, the Ag Up Equipment text line. What should Dallas do? Lay it out for us. 601-885-3776. Brought to you by Kinetic Staffing. The number one executive search firm in the Southeast. Technology, law, CPA, and otherwise. Kineticstaffing.com. Brad Edwards coming up next. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Uh, good morning. Welcome in. The Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance. Bundle your car and home and save with your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent. Favorites.com. F-A-V-E. Get a quote in four minutes or less. Save right now. F-A-V-E. Favorites.com. 
This is ESPN 105.9 The Zone. You can watch the show on YouTube. Search Out of Bounds Sports. YouTube search Out of Bounds Sports. We want to welcome in our friend Brad Edwards. Brad is from here. Grew up here in Jackson. Went to the University of Alabama. Spent 25 years with ESPN. And uh, covered Nick Saban a big chunk of that time at LSU and Bama. I guess I could say Michigan State, but... um, but definitely LSU and Bama. Most of us didn't know who Saban was until he arrived at LSU and disrupted the world of college football and the conference. Brad Edwards, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Bo. Uh, doing well. Uh, obviously, you know, big week last week. I, I I didn't really see it coming. I obviously wasn't shocked because of his age, and we've long speculated that uh, he'd probably be stepping down within five years, but... I just always kind of felt like he'd go out after a title. And, um, and look, I mean, obviously no shame in losing in overtime in the playoff, uh, but uh, just didn't think he was going to hang it up at that point. But uh, I'm sure there are plenty of non-football reasons that happened. Did you talk – you know so many people in the industry. Ivan Mazel, Reese, all and, and many, many others, writers and broadcasters, and just Alabama friends and alums. Um, did you talk to anybody in the last three or four days that y'all had a conversation and kind of hashed it out, Brad? Uh, not as far as, um, you know, not as far as like, should we have seen this coming, that type of thing. Um, but more just kind of, you know, looking back over it and just reflecting on, you know, what happened over that span of 17 years that he was at Alabama and, you know, what were the reasons for his success? And on top of that, all the reasons that we don't expect anybody to ever do it again. Um, and, and look, one of the reasons that he stepped down, I think, is a combination of, of his age and his energy levels dropping because of that, as it, as it does for all of us when we start to get old, uh, along with the extra energy it was going to require to be able to keep up with the whole NIL slash transfer situation that we now have where it's it's not only the 365 days a year that you're recruiting high school kids and and now having to evaluate players on other teams as potential transfers that you could bring in but it's also the you know having to constantly continue to recruit all the kids on your own roster um, in order to keep them from transferring out and going somewhere else uh, obviously, there's some of them that you don't care if they leave, but but there are a good number of them that you want to make sure that they stay. And, and look, every coach is having to deal with that now. But my point is, the older you get, <laughs> the the more of of a drain that is uh, on you. And um, and I, look, even the younger guys are having difficulty keeping up with all that now. And so I, I don't have any doubt that that was a factor in his decision. Um, talk about the first time. Okay, you used to do College Game Day on ESPN Radio. So, I know you had some interaction, and then he would come up for the car wash, too. Right. Okay, so so walk me through that, Brad, as far as, because I heard some people talk about if you got him in the right space, more of an intimate yeah. setting, he was great to visit with, and he was engaging and would share things that you could actually share on air or or wherever whatever platform you were using at that moment yeah so uh the only conversations that i ever had with him were during the car wash or when he was in bristol 
as many times as we were in Tuscaloosa, he never spoke to radio. Um, in fact, I, I believe – actually, I have no question. He, he's the only coach of all the teams we covered who didn't speak to us. Um, and, and you would think that it would be like, well, what a jerk. You know, we're, you know <laughs> everybody else has time for us, but you don't. But the thing was, he was very transparent about it. And, um, I mean, he, he wasn't directly, but his PR guy was. And uh, we were never given the impression that we were going to get him. And it really was as simple. And this is one of the things that made him great. Saban was very intentional about everything he did. And he always kind of allotted his time with the idea of, okay, what is going to make me better? What is going to give us a better chance of winning games, both, you know, short-term and long-term? And, you know, to Saban's credit, he understood that while the fans really get into talk radio, that's generally not the type of thing that very many players or high school recruits are interested in spending their time with. And so, you know, while, yeah, sure, there are Alabama fans and, and fans of college football who may have enjoyed hearing what he had to say, um, it wasn't going to help him uh, get better players to Alabama. And that's what he wanted to focus his time on. So, um when we would go to Tuscaloosa, we would be given, you know, a, a high-profile Alabama player, which was, was fine for our show, you know, to talk to instead of, the, instead of the head coach. Everywhere else, we would talk to the head coach, but we knew why. And so uh, it was a little different, but at the same time, like I said, it kind of, kind of defines what made him great is that he thought about everything that deeply, <laughs> that he was not going to waste his time on – sports radio when he knew that his recruits weren't listening to sports radio. Right. Um, but when we were, when he came up to Bristol, um, there were a few good conversations and, and thought, you know, some of those were everybody always thinks about saving the guy never smiles, whatever. When you get him in those situations, um, there would be some grins, even some laughter. Um, and one of the, one of the stories that uh, I remember best was uh, Ryan Rosillo and I, uh, had him, uh, you always used to say one-on-one, -on -one. in this case it was a two-on-one uh, interview, and Rosillo asked him a great question, uh, which, which is it's perfect just because he's so well-known for his success, Saban is. Um, and it, it's very rare that he makes mistakes. Obviously we all do, and he has made, uh, made a few of them, uh, but he asked him directly, Rosillo asked him directly about what's the most memorable uh, instance for you uh, where you did something that you immediately regretted doing. Um, and Saban said, on the field or off? He's like, I'm not sure if I want to answer that question off the field. And so he's like, no, no, on the field. So Saban didn't hesitate. He said 2001 SEC championship game, and those who are old enough remember the setting, which is he was the head coach at LSU. They were playing against Tennessee. Tennessee had just upset Florida to win the SEC East, and Tennessee needed to win the SEC championship game to be in the BCS championship game, play for the national title. Had to be a double-digit favorite. LSU was probably like a 9-3 and three team, something like that. Um, but they won the West. So LSU, big underdog, first possession of the game. They have the ball, ends up fourth and inches on their own 20-something yard line. Players are like, let's go, coach, let's go. And Saban said... I, I listened to the players, and I got caught up in it, and I went for it, and we got stuffed. Tennessee gets 
snapped the ball on our 20-something yard line and like two plays later, 7 nothing Tennessee. And he said, I'm thinking I just blew the SEC championship game for us by doing – and anyway, if you remember the game, LSU came back and, and won the game. And so Saban's like, they bailed me out. Um, but, but he said – he just laughed about it. He was like that – he's like – he said, I, 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 never, I never let the players talk to me anything again after that. But um, he said that, that was definitely one where as soon as I did it or as soon as we got stopped on fourth down and they scored, he's like, I, I really screwed that up. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and, hey, the other thing after that, Bo, is that we finished that interview, and there were a few other questions that he enjoyed answering. And he said to us, he said, you know, you guys ask a lot of good questions. He said, all the all the guys who cover the team they ask a lot of dumb questions, <laughs> and and uh, I say, coach, in their defense, when you have to cover a team and ask questions as a coach every single day, at a certain point you kind of run out of good questions. So I said, I, I, I kind of understand where they're coming from, and he said, well, there may be some truth to that, but um, but yeah, I mean, like a, a lot of guys like Saban who just constantly ask answer questions for a living. They, even if it's about something that, you know, puts them in a vulnerable spot where they're having to talk about their weaknesses, sometimes they enjoy answering a question that's just different from anything that they've gotten before. Brad Edwards, 25 years at ESPN, did it all. Uh, joining us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line, talking uh, Nick Saban and his legacy and the way that he, well, built back the Alabama football program. Brad, I know you knew about Saban at Michigan State. Um, You were part of ESPN's college football team starting in like 1996. But I think we program our mind to think that we've always known about Saban. It's just not true. For most of us, we were introduced to Saban once he got to LSU and because he turned them around in such a short period of time. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I mean, I, I do I do remember him as the defensive coordinator for the Browns under Belichick. But um, when he was at Michigan State, uh, obviously they, they won a few big games there, and that's why LSU was interested in him. But when LSU made that hire, I thought to myself, what are they doing? Why would you hire this guy? He's never coached in the South. Obviously, he didn't have a, a great record. It wasn't like he'd come close to winning the Big Ten at Michigan State. And I was thoroughly confused as to why a guy who had never worked in the SEC would be the, the, the one that LSU would go after. And I remember even going as far as to think he, he can't succeed because he's not going to be able to recruit down there. <laughs> well, I think, I think we saw that that didn't really make a whole lot of difference. Uh, you know, if, if you got it, you got it, and, and Saban had it. And it wasn't until I was looking back later doing some research on him uh, for my book, that that I realized that while he was at Michigan State, he had, I mean, he basically had a better record against Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State than anybody else in that league did, you know, outside of those three teams. Of so the others that were going up against them, he had beaten them more than anyone else, and I, I think that had to be part of what LSU had noticed in him, is, is his ability to be able to win these big games, to get his his players to you know kind of elevate and and play competitively and sometimes win against teams that were more talented than them. Because if you think about the time when he took over LSU, they were a mess. And 
I don't know that it would be right to say that there were a lot of teams that were way above them in the SEC, but certainly at that point, Florida and Tennessee were. Yes. Um, and, and LSU had to play Florida every year. And so um, th- there were reasons that um, – I don't even remember who the AD was at that time at LSU who made the hire, but whoever he was, uh, he obviously saw some things in Saban that I failed to see. And, uh, Joe Dean. You know, and obviously – yeah, and it's all the right things for sure, and so it makes sense that a you know a guy who was a former coach would have would have noticed that type of stuff. I think yeah, I think it was Joe Dean Senior. Uh, it was one of his last because I don't he wasn't really a good AD. In one of his last hires, he hired Saban, and then Bertman took over shortly thereafter. I think I have that right, Brad. Oh, let's talk about that Malmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good, Brad Edwards. Uh, 25 years at ESPN. He joins us on the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9. The Zone brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance. Okay, Brad, uh, Malmore, you remember this story. Mal uh, approaches Saban, gets rejected, um, then goes through like Spurrier and Rich Rod and maybe a couple others and goes back down and I think convinces Terry Saban, who I think wanted to get back maybe in a college environment anyway. Yeah, but did. tell me what all you remember from that that 2008 coaching search where Mal Moore's job is on the line, even though he's a legendary guy and tied to Coach Paul Bear Bryant. But things were not lining up. I think he thought he had Rich Rod at, at one point. He's, anyway, walk yeah. us through all that, Brad. Yeah, so, you know, what? what's crazy is to think of, like, three of the great what-ifs in college football history, um, you know, are connected to Saban ending up at Alabama. The first one of that group is that if you remember when Tim Tebow was being recruited out of high school, he came to, and he's talked about this a number of times afterward, his decision was basically between uh, what he ended up doing, obviously going to play for Urban Meyer at Florida, or going to play for Mike Shula at Alabama. And if Tim Tebow had gone to Alabama, I don't think Mike Shula gets fired at the time that he did because he would have had a highly touted, you know, freshman quarterback. I, I, I don't think that they would have been as, you know, nearly as good as Florida was, but they would have been good enough that he wouldn't have been fired after that season, which opened up the job, which eventually came to Saban. So the second thing in the what ifs is that, um, like you said, Mal Moore eventually settled on Rich Rod. And at that point, West Virginia was, was doing very well. Um, Rich Rod would have been a great hire based on the success that he'd had there. And um, a deal seemed to be in place. It was one of those, like, okay, it's, it's, it's done. Um, and then a lot of people started reporting that it was a done deal. And then something happened at the last minute, and the rumors have always been that Rich Rod's wife said, I don't want to live in Alabama, which is funny because that's actually where they are now, um, <laughs> is that – and, and, look, I don't know whether that's true or not, but that was what ended up coming out of it is, it is that it was basically she was the one that pulled the plug or talked him out of it or whatever it was, and he backed out at the last minute. And, of course, at that point, everybody's laughing and saying, you know, Alabama, you think you're, you know, you're all that, but you used to be. You're not anymore, and nobody wants your job. Nobody's interested in going to Alabama. Um, and, 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 by the way, the evidence seemed to support that, um, if you, especially if you looked at some of their recent coaching hires. And, and that was when Mal Moore just kind of doubled down, and he went back after Saban. And uh, I'm not saying he camped out in Miami, but he essentially went down there with the attitude, I, I'm not leaving until I know I have exhausted um, 
everything in my arsenal to be able to get this guy. And, of course, Saban, um, Saban really wasn't completely sold on the idea of, of going to Alabama. But what ended up um, changing everything, and this is the, the third big what if, is that Saban, after two years with the Dolphins, knew he needed a better quarterback if he was going to succeed. And he identified Drew Brees as the guy that he wanted. Brees was a free agent. They brought in – actually, I can't remember if he was – I think he was a free agent. I, I don't think it was a trade thing. I think he was a free agent. And they brought in Brees, and for whatever reason, there was something with – I think um, the Miami Dolphins training staff and doctors would not clear Brees on his physical. They said that he had a problem there, and they weren't willing to, to give it the green light. And, therefore, Saban was not allowed to sign Drew Brees. Now, of course, he goes to the Saints, and the rest is history as far as the greatness of Drew Brees. Obviously, Saban knew what he was doing when he wanted Brees as his quarterback, but because he wasn't able to get him, that was one of the things that made him reconsider whether he wanted to stay in the NFL because, quite honestly, he's like, without a great quarterback, all I can do is go, like, 8-8 eight and eight every year. I, I'm, I'm not going to be – a good coach in the in the NFL if I don't have a good quarterback. And so that was when he was willing to, to listen to Mal Moore a second time and consider going to Tuscaloosa. And then, of course, the story is when he finally agreed to do it, um, they're on the plane and, you know, flying to Tuscaloosa to, uh, you know, make the announcement. And supposedly, I think Saban tells the story a little bit differently, but supposedly Mal Moore said, you know, or that Saban asked Mile Moore, do you think you, that you, you know, hired the, the best coach, uh, you know, that you can get? And he said, oh, yeah, I do. And Saban's like, I don't know if you hired the best coach, but you hired the best recruiter. And, um, and, and obviously, you know, Saban, everything he did from that point forward would have validated that claim. So um, that's kind of the way the story went. But like I said, there were three big things that had to go um, in Alabama's direction in order for Saban to end up there. And if any one of those three hadn't happened, it's not just that Alabama football would have been changed or SEC football would have been changed. It's all of college football history would have changed because of that. Oh, he's the godfather of modern-day college football recruiting, as you know, Brad. I, he disrupted with analysts and and the way they approached it and, and adding all – you know, the resources that he had. I mean, we had Tom Luganbill on, and I know you know Tom, um, fr- Thursday or Friday, and and Luganbill headed up ESPN Recruiting Forever, and he said, man, this guy totally changed modern college football recruiting. Yeah, He did it at LSU, as you know, Brad, to a certain extent, but really took it to another level, you know, several years later at Alabama, yeah. right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you a quick story on that. When... So when – let me think about this. So when, when Urban Meyer um, finished up at Florida, remember he sat out for – I believe he sat out for one year before he took the Ohio State job. And, and during that time, he worked with us at ESPN on the, the signing day uh, stuff, signing day coverage. And, and we were in a meeting. I was working on, uh, was working on signing day that year. And we were in a, a, a meeting the day before, uh, so the Tuesday, signing day was always on a Wednesday. And Urban was telling a story about when he was at Florida. This is how much respect he had. And obviously, Urban was a really good recruiter himself. But to give you an idea of how much respect he had for Saban's ability to evaluate talent, especially on defense, 
Urban had told his assistant coaches who were out on the road recruiting that if Alabama has offered a guy on defense, if it's a defensive player and Alabama has offered him, you have permission to make an offer. Like, you don't have to call me and approve. If Alabama has offered him and he plays defense, we want him, right? And, and, and I mean, for Urban, he didn't, I don't think he's ever, I don't know if he's ever told that publicly, but I know he didn't tell that story on air. But he told us in the meeting, at this point enough time has gone by that I don't, I don't mind, you know, telling that story, which was probably off the record. Um, but that's how much respect even Urban Meyer had for Saban's recruiting abilities. And, uh, and, and, you know, if you think about it, what happened is then Urban – when because of the the competitiveness recruiting wise and what it took to succeed at Florida, not just all of his time in the SEC, but specifically toward the end after Saban got into the conference, he developed a recruiting mentality that he took with him to Ohio State. Absolutely. And 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 he was recruiting. He was doing things. He was basically breaking unwritten rules in recruiting, like like you're like before someone had signed, like in the SEC they're still fair game. If they haven't put pen to paper, right. they're fair game. It, in the Big Ten, they had this gentleman's agreement that, like, if someone's committed somewhere, you don't recruit them. Well, Urban's like, forget that. And so when he got to Ohio State, he started doing these things. It upset a lot of people in the conference, but ultimately they had to make the decision, am, am I going to change the way I recruit, or am I just going to let Ohio State you know, dominate the Big Ten for the next decade. And and some of the schools, like Michigan, for example, had to come to the decision that we have to change the way we're doing things. And that, yes. that ultimately led to Michigan hiring Harbaugh. Yes. And so, I mean, and that gives you an idea of how Saban even impacted the Big Ten, which is which is crazy. Well, I've only got a minute, but you just nailed it. I remember when Bielema, before taking the Arkansas job as the head coach at Wisconsin, complained about Urban taking the job and then taking one of the Wisconsin commits, all right? And and down here, we yep. were like, dude, that happens every five minutes here. And he was, exactly. he and Alvarez were raising hell about it. We were like, man, that's just a Tuesday. That's just a day that ends in Y in the SEC. All right, we right. got to do this again um, and, and soon. Thanks so much for your time today, uh, Brad Edwards. I hope you're doing well, and, and Happy New Year to you, buddy. Happy New Year to you, and uh, keep plugging along, man. It's going to be a fun offseason. Brad Edwards, 25 years at ESPN, was a part of game day, the BCS, college game day on ESPN radio. He's from here. We grew up together, then went to the University of Alabama and had a hell of a career at ESPN for 25 years. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. The show is also brought to you by RPT and Rick's Pro Truck, RPT and Gluckstadt, Flowwood and RPT commercial, Jason, in Pearl. Right? I mean, look, where do you take your fleet vehicles? You go to RPT commercial in Pearl. That's RPT commercial in Pearl, right across from the Skelly Furniture. <laughs> 